Misery for England. The Hodge strikes yet again. Another tournament and another failure for England and more of the same from the Roy that we Liverpool fans know all so well. We'll be discussing everything about England and the World Cup so far and also the Suarez transfer saga. The Suarez biting saga part three. Will he stay or will he go? Will it be different this time around? Will the club say anything? We've got all this and more. It's the Anfield Index podcast. Tonight we have Gags Tandon, Jay Riley and a warm welcome back to Dave Hendrick. And standing in for the sulking Scotsman in a kilt is myself, Koshi <laughs> uh, It's It's refreshing to hear a new host, Kosher, and I don't have to host. And John's not hosting. And Dave's back and we've got Jay on. Wow. Great show. It's going to be a good one. It is. <laughs> right, so... I'd, um, I think we should kick off with the World Cup so far, now that we've just seen England play their last game today. So what do you guys think went wrong for England? I think, Gags, I'll come to you first on that. Oh, man. You know what? This is... Uh, uh, I've been probably one of the most passionate about this World Cup, um, being an England supporter, and I've been laughed at a lot. I mean, I know um, <laughs> Dave and John have probably had a bit of a laugh at me as well in the in the WhatsApp group we've got, thinking I'd be so optimistic about it before the, the World Cup kicked off. Uh, just probably because all the all the Liverpool players that were in the squad and stuff, I thought, wow, if we end up playing like this, surely you can't mess this up with uh, one of the form, you know, the form players probably coming into the tournament. But yeah, they fucked it up. And, and, and for me... I know, you know, many are saying that England were much more positive, etc. But the only credit I'll give Hodgson is that he decided to play Sterling and that's it. Because it looked like he was going to fucking drop him as well at the start. So he actually played him in the first game and, he, and, and Sterling played well. So that's the only credit. Apart from that, that's it. Nothing else. For me, and I don't know about the other guys, but for me, the midfield was the major issue. Uh, we've got, you know, you've got five or six players in that team from you know from from Liverpool in that England squad you def- so so you've definitely been watching Liverpool play or have you fuck have you if Hodgson or Neville who would have watched Liverpool on Sky every week right Gary Neville as we were live every fucking week in that second half of the season had had watched Liverpool or scouted them properly they'd have known Stevie G was most effective playing in the three man midfield so as Dave said this is like back in the day when we first started the pod um, you know, when we talked about has, has Rodgers got the balls to drop him and we actually mentioned play him in a three, it'll probably help him and he'll get dog's bodies around him get him to do the running. So, first started, you know, this part, it was Gerard will only work with two mids uh, sitting either side of him or in front of him. So, Hodgson, what does he do? He starts with Gerard and Henderson, pretty much tying Henderson up to do all the dog's bodies work, you know, and it's going to cost you, no matter who else is playing in that side, it's going to cost you. Really stupid decision, cost England, for me, that's what cost pretty much the tournament. I know many will play, uh, sorry, blame Rooney, uh, loads blaming Gerard's performances, etc. But, you know, everyone I reckon at Anfield Index, uh, you know, and uh, who's done these pods, etc., will know that if you play Gerard in a midfield too, it's not going to work. That's that's what I reckon. Okay, uh, Jay, how about you? What what do you think? <sighs> to be perfectly honest, I'm not the most patriotic of people, um, especially when it comes to football. Um, in the past, I've always thought to myself, you know, how can I genuinely get behind a team that's got the likes of Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Ashley Cole, Lampard, Wayne Rooney, and to be honest with you, going into this tournament, I know pretty much like well, three or four of them don't play no more. Lampard's still there, obviously, and Wayne Rooney. But I thought, I didn't really think they'd get out the group stages anyway, to tell you the truth. Um, I honestly thought Italy and Uruguay were a little bit better than England. But I must admit, I do like to see Liverpool's players do well, though. So 
Obviously, I wanted to see Gerard perform well, Henderson, Sterling, Sturridge, Johnson. But, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't really expect much from them. And ultimately, they've gone out of the tournament at an early stage. And it's been a total disaster, really, because, you know, the first two games, to lose your first two games and then go home early. You know, today was just a total dead rubber, wasn't it, against Costa Rica? Um, And you would have thought a little bit of, you know, because there's nothing to play for, a little bit of freedom. You could have expressed themselves. You would have thought, you know, they, they might have, played well today but yet again an, another awful performance and I think you've got to look at the manager really you, I just can't believe that the FA have come out and said he's going to keep his job for another couple of years and I just think he stifles them you know ultimately you've just touched on their gags about the midfield issues Steven Gerrard's never ever really been able to play in the midfield too in my opinion and ultimately because if you look back to you know 2006 and what have you he played in the midfield three then really because he was the the one that played behind the forward, behind Torres, wasn't he? So, you know, when, when Torres comes, sorry, in 2000, 2008 and beyond, he played behind um, Torres, didn't he? So he's never really been great, I don't think, in, in a midfield two anyway. So obviously now, since January, Rodgers has given him this new role and he's been great playing there for us with you because know, he's had two players around him. So it's been a midfield three. And I, I just can't understand the reasons why Hodgson went with just the midfield too it just doesn't make any sense to me it's just baffling really because Stephen Gerrard hasn't really got the legs so he was left awfully exposed in my opinion and and it's the same the Italy game as well was, was shocking really to play Wayne Rooney on the left hand side because I thought Baines got torn apart really and I don't think Baines is a great defender anyway at the best of times to be honest with you he's great going forward but as a defender he's not brilliant and the problem was playing Wayne Rooney out on the left, he offered him no protection at all, so he was left massively exposed, and that comes down to the manager for me, absolutely clueless, and then, you know, Raheem Sterling was, was England's best player against Italy, and then, what does Hodgson go and do? He goes and changes his position for the Uruguay game, he's a little bit, you know, ineffective just to accommodate Rooney, really, and okay, Wayne Rooney scored a goal, but he didn't perform very well, the goal that he did score was made by, you know, ultimately Glenn Johnson, and you know, my nan could have put it in. So all the people saying that he's proved the doubt is wrong because he scored a tap in. I, I think it, it, it's laughable. But you know, it, it's got to come down to, to to the manager. And the only thing I would say, who do you replace him with? Because the most likely candidates are our very own Brendan Rodgers and probably Roberto Martinez. You know, Everton's manager, and I, I highly doubt either one of them would take the job. So you are a little bit stuck, aren't you, to say who does take over from Lee Hudson? So maybe the FA are looking at it that way. I don't know. I mean, I'd probably argue the case that I know he's not had any management experience, but you know, the likes of Gary Neville, he he watch, he speaks really highly, doesn't he, on, on on Sky Sports. He seems to know what he's talking about. I know he's in he's in the setup there with Roy Hudson, but you know, maybe someone like him, give him a little chance. I don't know. I really don't know because if they're going to go down the English route, you're looking at it thinking who could take the job because there's not really too many candidates out there, is there? And I know I've just said about Rodgers and Martinez and obviously they're not English, but what I'm trying to say is if they're adamant they want an Englishman, then there's not too many people knocking about, is there? No, um, you're right. I mean, there's always been shouts of Harry Redknapp coming through as well. Um, Initially when they were they were looking at Hodgson as well. Um, but to be honest, like you said, Jay, um, I just can't get behind this team, especially when it's managed by Roy Hodgson. Um, having seen what he did at Liverpool, it's just, 
I just I just can't get excited. Obviously, yeah, I want to see our lads doing well. And again, Sterling was our best player against Italy. But bar that, it hasn't been a very exciting performance at all. And it's um, he just doesn't know what to do with them. Dave, I know you've probably got a lot to say about Roy Hodgson. So over to you. Well, well, I'm a little bit confused as to why you're saying it was a disappointing tournament. Personally, I think it's been fantastic how England have performed. Um, as a, an Irishman, it's it's just been masterful, and I'm sure our, our, our absent host John Ritchie, as a proud Welshman, would agree with me. And, and Jim Fishlock, Welshman, oh, oh right, well, he's, you know he's one of them, and then Jim Fishlock as well. They they'd agree with me. This has been a magnificent tournament. I hate Look, you. If if you want to know why England have flopped, and flopped is actually been been nice to them, uh, just it's three words: Roy fucking Hodgson. The man is an absolute imbecile, and it, it goes to show he mustn't actually watch much football uh, in the Premier League, other than the games he actually attends, because all, any, everybody, bar you know the Muppets and the Sheep, will tell you that Steven Gerrard cannot play in a midfield two. As Jay said, he's never really been able to play in a midfield two. If you want you know, an example of Gerrard in his prime failing to play in a midfield two, Go and watch the first half of Istanbul. Then watch the second half of Istanbul when he plays in a three when Haman comes on and you see the difference. His entire career, Steven Gerrard has always been more suited to playing in a midfield three or out of the central midfield. Um, to play him in a two is just a, a disaster waiting to happen. He doesn't have the legs. We witnessed multiple years of terrible form um, when Hodgson and then Kenny tried to play him in a midfield two, uh, when Rogers tried to play him in a two with, with uh, the Norwegian Christian Paulsen, um, it was just it's, it was shambolic. And then Rogers put him back in a three, and we saw that you know good run of form he had in the second half of the season. Um, it, what annoyed me most though was that Jordan Henderson appears to be getting most of the blame. Henderson was carrying the midfield. Um, he was covering for Gerrard, he was covering for Rooney, he was doing the absolute dog's work over and over again and getting very little you know, credit or praise for it, especially from the morons who make up the British media. For example, you've got the likes of Henry Winter uh, claiming Hodgson is the best man for the job and you know, should get two more years. You've got uh, Glenn Hoddle, you know, paid to be expert and you know, analysis giver and he's claiming that um, he's claiming that Lalana and Gerrard and Wilshire should have been in midfield three. That's a midfield three that gets pissed on by everybody with a bit of you know physicality. I mean, Italy showed with De Rossi that England can be bullied. Uh, Rios bullied. You know, well, bullied Rooney out of the game against Uruguay and then proceeded to bully anybody else he felt like. Rooney's the biggest flop of the tournament for me. He was embarrassing against Italy. Uh, he was shambolic against Uruguay and he offered nothing when he came on today. Absolutely piss poor. For those saying that he approved the doubt was wrong because he got a goal and assist, just have a fucking word at yourself. You know, he's played 11 games in World Cups, he's got one goal. And it was, as Jay said, like someone's nan could have put it in. It was a tap-in from a yard out. England have been embarrassing in this tournament. It was a tough group on paper. It turned out to be not as tough as people thought. You see Costa Rica top in the group. 
fair enough, they've played very well, but let's not pretend these are a top team. Italy, unfortunately, have aged dr- drastically in the last couple of years. Uruguay were missing Suarez for the first game. You see the difference when he comes back in. Um, they actually have been very lucky with injuries and suspensions. They got their right-back suspended and their captain and centre-back injured, and their defence has improved massively with the uh, the two lads that have come in, Caceres and uh, Gutierrez, I believe. So, you know, small changes to England could have made big, you know, big difference. You see Glenn Johnson, he shouldn't even be in this. I mean, what's the squad picked on? I remember when, you know, only players who, number one, played regularly for their clubs and number two, were in top form, were even considered for England. Now you've got Glenn Johnson's coming off an appalling 16 months. Um, you've got Jones in the squad, doesn't play for United regularly. You've got Smalling, doesn't play for United regularly. You've got Danny Welbeck as first choice for England. You know, this this is just laughable stuff. Um, got Oxlade Chamberlain in the squad, hasn't played much this year was injured, they were told he probably wouldn't make the group stages and they brought him anyway. I mean, I, I just uh, there's just no logic to what Hodgson has done. Um, even for us who witnessed how inept this man is during his time at Liverpool, this was a new level of r- ridiculousness from the L. Absolutely shocking stuff. And for the FA to come out and say he's getting two more years. The only reason they're saying that is because Gareth Southgate is not quite ready yet. Not that he'll ever be ready because he's an absolute laughable mess as a manager. The guy's clueless. Um, But he's a yes man, so he'll be the next one. Is anybody putting bets on anybody to get the England job? Forget about it. Gareth Southgate is getting the England job because he'll be a yes man. Jay mentioned Martinez and Rodgers. I can guarantee Brendan Rodgers would not take the England job. If you grew up where Brendan Rodgers grew up, at the time when Brendan Rodgers grew up, you're not going to become manager of England. The Harry Redknapp story is bullshit as well. He never agreed to be Harry's assistant. Um, So, rule Rodgers out. Martinez might take it. I think if they want an English manager, they're going to have to... Well, the best one for me would be Steve McLaren, but he's already done the job and got, you know, didn't do very well because he wasn't ready for the job at the time. And that would be the risk with any of the other young English coaches out there, Carl Robinson or any of the others, Eddie Howe maybe. Um, they're not ready. And because Premier League clubs don't seem willing to take a chance on these young British managers, uh, or young English managers rather, they're not going to get the experience that's required. Um, I, re- I really don't know what the future holds for England. I mean, there's so much talent there from, from under 16 right the way up to about 23, 24, but it's just a disaster at the minute. Aside from England, I would say that it's been a really exciting World Cup to watch, at least. Um, there's lots of teams playing really well. Who would be your standout player at the World Cup so far? Which which ones have you had your eyes on? Who's really stood out? Um, Jay, I'll come to you first on this one. Well, I think, obviously, Holland have been... Very good, you know. They, they were fantastic against Spain. They weren't great against Australia, but they got the job done. And then, obviously, like you look at Chile, they've been mightily impressive. But Holland dealt with them, and they got two late goals, and they won two 0 and flattered them a little bit the scoreline. But but they got the job done, and they topped the group. And 
I think I, I and Robin's been absolutely unplayable in this tournament so far. For me, he's been he's been the best player consistently over the three games. He's been tremendous, and we all know Robin's a great player. You know, at Bayern Munich, he was even a very good player at Chelsea. So dangerous. He's obviously a little bit of a dare I say he's a bit of a cheat as well, but ultimately. He is a fantastic footballer and he's so quick, he's so direct, he scores goals, he assists, he's fantastic. And at this moment in time, he's on the top of his game with uh, James Rodriguez, or aka James. He's been pretty good for um, for Colombia. Sanchez has been quite good for Chile as well. And also, you've got to have a little mention for Neymar because there was so much expected from him. And I think sometimes he flatters to deceive, but he's the top scorer and he is a little bit of a genius, I think, at times. Some of the things he does, some of his finishing superb as well. And it's strange, really, because his record that he's got for Brazil is, is absolutely phenomenal, really. But when you consider how he's done at Barcelona last season, he didn't really particularly shine there at all. And I think maybe that's down to the fact that, you know, he's the Brazilian wonder boy, isn't he? And everyone loves him. He's the main man for Brazil. Whereas when it comes to Barcelona, there's obviously Messi's the main man there. So he's got massive competition. But Going back to what you said, Jay, with Neymar, he has really risen to the pressure as well, being the Brazilian poster boy for this World Cup. And um, he has been a joy to watch. Yeah, he's been exceptional, really. But... Another reason why he's been so good for me is because he's got, for me, a pub player playing up front with him. That Fred's absolutely horrific and I can't believe at the start of the tournament I actually had him for top scorer. But that was on the back of the Confederations Cup last year when he was top scorer and he scored five goals. And I mean, I didn't really follow his career much like, you know, the past season, but he just looks like an absolute yard dog. He's totally, he's horrific. And then the other fella as well is not much better. Hulk, he's just, garbage him I've never ever eaten him I thought I didn't think he was very good at poor so I know he's got a decent record goals per game ratio but I couldn't believe it when he went to Zenit St. Petersburg was it for around £40 million and there's been like Chelsea Man United Arsenal various clubs have been linked to him and I just think he's a terrible terrible player I just don't see what it is with him and I know he scored a couple of goals against Liverpool in the Europa League a couple of seasons ago for Zenit but Let's be perfectly honest, that's what he's all about. He'll smash one from 30 yards and everyone thinks he's this world-class footballer. And I think Zenit St. Petersburg, did he pay £40 million for him or something like that? And I think he's got decent stats when he played for Porto. Uh, not bad for Zenit either, but I just think he's terrible when Liverpool played them in the Europa League a few years ago. I know he did score against us in both legs, but you know, let's be honest, the second goal was, was a mistake by Carragher, wasn't it? And... You know, obviously the, the the he scored in the first in the first leg, and it was a, it was a thirty yarder or something, and that's what he does every now and then. He'll pop up with it with a with a worldie like that, and everyone will automatically think he's this world class footballer because he's got a fancy name like Hulk. Let's be perfectly honest, this this fella's awful, and sometimes he gets linked to you know your Chelsea's and your Uniteds and your Arsenal's. And to be honest, but yeah, I'd love them to sign him because I think he's garbage, and I wouldn't have him in a red shirt at all. But you know, as I say, the, the standout footballer in this tournament so far for me has got to be Adam, Adam, Rob. Going back to Hulk, I think, Dave, you had a point on him, didn't you? Hulk is the Kim Kardashian of football. An enormous arse <laughs> and, and very little else going on. Kim Kardashian makes porn videos. Hulk's goal collections make a bit of football porn on YouTube. But otherwise, there's very little there. Jay's right. The, the guy's he's so hit and miss. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and he's brain dead as well. I mean, the only time he's ever played in a football field and been like the second most stupid player on the pitch was when 
he came up against us and he was marked by Jose Enrique. Can you imagine the conversation those two had about chest waxing and <laughs> biceps and stuff? I it just like awful. Um I'd agree with Jay. As much as a hateful little shit as Robin is, Robin has been outstanding. Probably the player of the tournament so far. In terms of team of the tournament, though, I, I think you've got to look. I think France have been phenomenal. I, I thought they were really, really impressive against Switzerland. Uh, Benzema looks as, as though he's you know remembered that he was once tipped to be the best striker in the world, and he's playing really, really, really well. Colombia look excellent. Uh, Hamas Rodriguez, who really needs to stop lying. It, it, as Jay said, it's James. Your name is James, son. Stop the lies. Stop the Hamas. It's James. Uh, he's been fantastic. Chile have been really good. Vidal and Sanchez are standout players. Gary Medell looks a different player playing at centre-back than, than he did for uh, Cardiff during the season when he just seemed to get lost in midfield and resort to kick people. There's been a couple of others. I mean, Mexico have looked really good. I, I thought I've been really impressed with Mexico. I've been quite impressed with America. I know they weren't great in the first game, but they got the result. Clint Dempsey, I'm a big fan of his. I still have him at Liverpool. I think he's been impressive. On the other hand, while I'm thinking of the USA and just in their last game, Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo has had an absolutely shocking tournament. His attitude is a disgrace. This is allegedly one of the greatest players in the world. Some would have you believe one of the greatest players ever. His attitude's a disgrace. And I don't care if he's injured. Luis Suarez had surgery a couple of weeks ago and he's going to run himself into the ground, whereas Ronaldo's preening on the you know halfway line and if things don't go right, he's having a tantrum. So, you know, it, I think Ronaldo's always been one of those who chokes on the big occasion. You know, three Champions League finals. I know he scored in two of them, but he hasn't performed in any of them. Um, he's never performed in a major tournament either. So, you know, you'd, you'd have to question his legacy. OK, so Gag's coming to you. Now that England are out, who are you going to be supporting? Who's really stood out for you so far? Um, I mean, me, myself, um, I've actually drawn both Argentina and Chile in my work sweepstakes. So I'm rooting for the South Americans. That's freaky. <laughs> that's freaky because I've actually, there's, there was an EPL index sweepstake with the writers. Thank you, James Amy, for picking out the the teams because I got Argentina and Chile as well oh, so no uh, yeah seriously so I was I was <laughs> I was hoping and, and you know what talking about who I'm supporting I, I would love it if it was an Argentina and uh, Brazil final Neymar versus Messi I think you know the, in terms of the players you guys are talking about all the players and stuff it's been quite interesting how those big players haven't been awesome like every like the whole game but they've turned up at the right times like Neymar hasn't been amazing amazing every single but he's, he's turned up when they needed him and scored you know, really important goals and then uh, Messi as well popping up when they need him and scoring really important goals so the big players and only Ronaldo really is one of those that hasn't and even Sanchez has been impressive for Chile so those big stars you know playing for Barcelona all three of them they, they were the ones that, that that kind of get me out of my seat while I'm watching it and go wow that was that was bloody big and you felt sorry for Iran you know with that Messi goal even though it was an amazing goal, you say, wow, Messi, but you actually felt sorry for Iran. That was one of the moments. I think that was one of the games where I was really invested, where I was like, come on, Iran, come on, just get that goal. They were one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. They missed it, and there's so much going on end-to-end -end that second half. It was nil-nil, and Messi then scored. It broke your heart, but you had to you had to stand up and say, well, wow, that's that's world-class. You know, That's the player what Ronaldo wants to be. And like Dave said, Suarez just had um, surgery and he's come back and he's he's won that game for, for, for Uruguay against against um, England. So there's massive differences in players and their attitudes. And you can see if Portugal score a goal, Ronaldo doesn't celebrate with them. He's not happy for the team. 
It's all about him. If he scores a penalty in a Champions League final, he takes his shirt off and starts posing like a cock. <laughs> you know, it's like it's all about him. Yeah. So that's definitely what 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 I think. These, it's all about a team, and the teams the teams will win. So Chile are like a you know a proper team. You know that they, they play together, they play for each other. They remind me of us. They remind me of Liverpool as well. And the way they press, and you know, obviously, I'm going to look at stuff like that because that's what I collect. But I haven't done it for the World Cup. But they they push so hard. You know, yesterday was probably a little bit of a disappointment against uh, the Netherlands. But uh, again, I agree with the boys. Robin has been really special. I thought I think Godin's been okay as well. Maybe the first game was poor. Since then, he's been really good for Uruguay. I thought he's been impressive. But there's been quite a few in some of the, the smaller teams. I don't know all the players' names, to be fair, which is which is rude. I haven't prepared. But there have been some really good standout players. from. Oh, France. Uh, Val Buena's impressed me as well. So I, I think France are going to do... They, they've shocked me, actually, because they just about got into the World Cup with um, the skin of their teeth, with Sacco scoring the double, um, the two headers in the playoffs. And they've come in, and look how confident they look and how well, how well they're playing. And same as Holland. Them two look really good, and you never know. You never know with those two. But, um, yeah, supporting-wise, I think... Supporting-wise, it's going to have to be Chile and, and Argentina just because they'll go far. Actually, I think I got Costa Rica as well. So I got three... <laughs> I got the three, <laughs> three that have gone through. How funny is that? Because there's ten of us, and we were we got three picks each, and a couple of guys got four. So I actually ended up with Costa Rica, Chile, and Argentina. I'm smiling. I'm okay. Top of the group, man. Yeah. So it's weird for me because usually I, I obviously support England first, and my second team is Spain. So I'm not having a very good start to this World Cup. So yeah, I think I'll just stick with my Argentina and Chile for the sweepstake and hopefully win some money too. Oh, Dave, you want to talk about sweepstakes as well? As some of you will know, I I was in Cambodia for a couple of months and I was out on this island called Korong, and uh, we were doing a sweepstakes for the World Cup, and it was ten dollars to buy in, and I got England. <laughs> So I made someone buy it off me for $15. <laughs> That's amazing. I am the only person who has won money on England in this world. So thank you very much. <laughs> oh, How did dude. you manage that? That's brilliant, Dave. I, 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 threatened to drown, I threatened to drown him in to see if he didn't buy it off me. So. <laughs> Fair dues. Right, so coming back to Liverpool again on this podcast. Last week, the clubs put out a statement that Ticket prices for Category 1 seats for the new season are now going to be £59. So to put this into context, that's going to be a 50% increase since the 2009-2010 season. There's obviously like a business view here and a moral one, but especially for people like me, Dave, those that aren't from Liverpool themselves, it's going to be so much additional cost in travelling to a game. I mean, I know for me it's going to be at least £100 a game, including travel and everything else. That's extra. That's on top now, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be it's going to be a big I'm going to feel it, I think, this time. I don't think we'll see how much I can afford to go to and I think it's really sad that people may be priced out of the game and not being able to go and watch the team that they love and support. Um considering the most expensive tickets at Old Trafford are only 53 pounds, do you feel maybe Liverpool have gone a stretch too far? And maybe they could have waited until the expansion, Jags. You know what? It's a tough one because this boom that's just happened for Liverpool in terms of um, how they started playing towards the end of last season, you look at it from a business point of view. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm going to look at it on both sides because there's, you said there's, a, there's, there's you know, the personal and then there's a business. You look at it from a business point of view and you look at the tickets and what was available and there was nothing available. 
and the prices that tickets were going at, unbelievable. People willing to pay them as well. Crazy, crazy. Now, if you were an owner of a football club or you're owner of a business, let's take the football out of it. Uh, if you're owner of a business, what would you do if there was this much demand? You know, yeah, you'd put your prices up. Of course you would. So from that point of view, you look at it and you think, okay, that's not, too, that's not such a bad thing. But then you become a supporter because at the end of the day, we're all supporters as well. And then you put that supporter hat on and then you talk, you know, we, we, we don't live in Liverpool. So you're talking about the travel, the extra costs. So like you just said for you, you're, you're, a, you're a regular day tripper, uh, kosher. So uh, going up from London with your, with your membership clubs and stuff, that's going to cost you extra money. And it, it, over a season, how much will that extra cost you? It's, it's, it's going to add up, you know, and you'll also want to go to the Champions League games, not just the league games now. So there's extra games as well, so that's more cost too. So maybe they could have thought about it in terms of wait up. You know, we've got we've got all these extra games now, so we're going to make more money anyway. You know, in terms of revenue from the you know from the stadium, from from attendances, etc., and not really put it up too much as much. But uh, you know, like I said, there's two sides of the coin here, and the Liverpool fans are coming out of from I don't know from anywhere to get tickets now because everybody can feel this change this new era and um, I mean it'll be interesting to, th- to see what, what Jay thinks of this because he's, he's local and he'll you know what, 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 what the feeling is around Liverpool with this, with this change Well to be perfectly honest I think the, the club have been quite clever here haven't they because it's a case of striking while the iron's hot because the performance levels last season were we didn't expect it did we let's be perfectly honest we you know even the most optimistic of fans didn't believe we'd have a season like we did last season it was fantastic football to watch and I think on that basis it's a case of people will pay the prices purely because you're being entertained you know obviously there's been times when the performance levels have been pretty poor and it hasn't been value for money but you you certainly are getting value for money now and I do think it is expensive, but I mean, I take my hat off to people who, who travel to watch Liverpool who go, you know, come from far and wide because, you know, ultimately for like a local person going to the game, you know, you, you'd either get your season ticket or you pay for your ticket and, and that's it. You know, I wouldn't buy anything inside the ground or I don't buy memorabilia or I don't buy, you know, in the club shop or anything like that. But people who I know come over from, you know, Ireland and, Scandinavia, you know, all, all all places really, ultimately they spend a lot of money following Liverpool and, you know, on the flights and the hotels and, as I say, memorabilia, you know, in the club shop a lot. And ultimately, you know, fair play to them, hats off for doing it because it does cost a lot of money for these people. And then with the ticket prices skyrocketing now, it's another little added cost, isn't it? So, I do think it is a little bit unfair. I do think really, you know, when the redevelopment of the ground occurs, maybe they could have bumped the prices up a little bit then. But, I mean, obviously when they do, the redevelopment does kick in. There's obviously going to be a lot more corporate as well. So there's going to be a lot more money generated through that avenue as well. But ultimately, I think, I do think it's down to the fact that they know Liverpool are on the up now. And it's more of a marketing tool, isn't it? And ultimately, as well, they know that the fans will pay the money, you see. So it's like you only have to look at the last few games of the season when we were going for the league title. It was absolutely chaos for people trying to get tickets. If you weren't a season ticket holder and you know, you were just trying to get your ticket for, for individual matches, people were like charging extortionate prices, weren't they? That's how to have on a field day. And I think that's a disgrace, really. But 
that's it's a case of supply and demand, isn't it? You yeah, know, I mean, um, even I was there for the Chelsea game, and it was about I heard a tell asking for about five six hundred pounds for a ticket to get into the Chelsea game. It was a guy from my club who was looking for a ticket, and he just he was like, "I'm not paying that much." But there is a market for it, which is why they're there. Which is it's not it's not right in my opinion because it's too much of a money making scheme. But that's that's a whole other issue. But yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's scandalous. You know what? In that situation, I mean, I remember a few years ago I was struggling for the ticket for um, the FA Cup final against West Ham, and uh, ultimately I had to pay over the odds for me ticket. And people will do it. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a cup final or if it's just a massively important league game, people will just pay the money for it and, and that's the beauty of it. Liverpool is such a massive club and we've got fans from all over the globe that people will just pay it. But as regards the, the club itself charging a little bit more, I do think it's a little bit naughty because I do think basically they have cottoned on to the fact that we've had a good season but I do think they should really have waited until the development of Anfield. Dave, how do you feel about the ticket price? Because obviously for you it, there's an extra flight flight cost incurred as well if you were to go to Anfield. Yeah, well, like, obviously, I'm I'm Irish and going across over the years, you know, was extremely expensive. I used to get across maybe eight to ten times a season and every, you know, it was costing, it was about 250 quid just to get across because you've got flights, hotel, match ticket, transportation in the city. Then if you go out at all, you know, it can run up, it can, it can become a really expensive hobby. And, like, I don't drink, so I didn't have that to factor in whereas a lot of the lads that, that I used to, to go the game with they do drink so that can be an extra 50-60 quid so um, it is it's just it's so pricey and I'm I'm moving to Canada now in September and I've got a friend there who's never been to Anfield and I have promised that I will try and get, a, get her across this season um, for a game and I mean we're looking at flights will be probably four or five hundred quid um, have to stay in the city, transportation, blah, 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 plus then your match ticket as well. So it is getting more and more expensive. And Jay's right, it's because people will pay it in the club. No, I, I think Jay's spot on when he says it's a bit naughty. You only need to look at um, at the, the Liverpool website and every you know month or six weeks, there's a big announcement up that we've signed some new corporate partnership deal with Subway or, you know, some airline or whoever like and and there's all this new money coming in now that we're in the Champions League as well most of our um like Dunkin Donuts deals and all them they're all going to go up in value because we're in the Champions League and we're going to attract more and more having the Champions League money coming in as well you've got the new TV money I mean the the, the increase in revenue for the club this year was going to be astronomical you know anyway the, the, the biggest bump the club will ever have had uh, when you factor everything in and all of a sudden they're, they're, they're asking for more money for tickets I, I I just can't agree with it I've seen a few people on Twitter and stuff saying oh no but you have to understand blah 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 like just fuck off like the, the FSG can be wrong about things they've been wrong about things before and I think this is a poor mistake whether it's them or, or Air or whoever that's made the final decision on this, someone, it, it, I just think it's wrong. I think it's unfair. And, you know, Jay mentioned that for local people, um, you know, you don't have the added expenses. But but that's, you know, I think don't think that's either here nor there. I, I just think it's unfair on everybody, especially when you get, like, older fans who, you know, maybe are just on their pension or whatever. 
and you're asking them now to fork out more money as well. Like they may only, may only have to walk down the road, but they're still having to fork out extra money that maybe they can't afford, that they've probably budgeted for. You know, the cost of maybe going to five or six games across the course of the season, and now they might not be able to. I, I don't know. I just think it's unfair, and I don't see any stop to it either. I, you know, I can see the prices going up again when the uh, the stadium expansion takes place. Which again is ridiculous because more seats equals more money. The prices should go down. I mean, I remember when when um, the new TV deal got announced, and I remember I think it was Sean Rogers or Steve Graves, one of the lads on the Anfield rap, said that the increase meant that clubs could drop all ticket prices to twenty pound a ticket for every game, and still make more money. Than they were making previously with the old TV deal. I mean, it, it's just uh, I don't know. It just it bothers me greatly. It really does. I think the club should reward the people who have stood by four years of absolute shit. We get one good year, and all of a sudden it's oh great, here we go. Let's let's take more money off you now. You know, it just it bugs the shit out of me. It really does. Yeah, well, um, talking about the generation of more money is the uh, will-he-won't-he saga that's starting again with Luis Suarez. Not to mention what just happened in the game that we watched before coming onto this call. Him biting yet again. What does this mean now? Do you think anybody will want him for that kind of attitude? I mean, for me, I think it's really disappointing. I think he had a great... Um, redemption season should we say Uh, he played extremely well he proved all the critics wrong and now he's come out and bitten an Italian player unbelievable it's unbelievable coach I mean for me you you look at Luis Suarez this season and you look at what he's done he's achieved he's he's won players player of the year writers player of the year you know that's that's getting accolades from everybody pretty much in the country really you know the ones that matter for a player and and then he has a game which he's actually stated meant a lot to him against England. Scores the two goals, pretty much knocks England out of the tournament. Um, big F you to the to the press and whoever the FA, whatever whatever he is, he was saying. And then the next game, you should be on top of the world. You should be absolutely flying, and you go and do that. It's yeah. um it's a shame, really. He is such a fantastic player, and just all of these other antics are just. Oh, he really doesn't help himself. Well, I'll tell you what. I mentioned this just pre-pod, talking to you and Jay. Mm. And um, could it be that Steve Peters isn't around with the Uruguay team? And he's when he's at Liverpool, he's obviously got Steve Peters there to talk to him and keep him calm. And the whole, all of the players have said, you know, that how much of an effect this guy had on them. Um, he's over there. They're obviously, you know, he's, he's being treated like a god. So he can get away with anything while he's over there. And... Um, could that make so much of a difference in just two or three weeks, a month? I th- I think it can. I think you fall off that wagon, you know, and and anything can happen. And it's a shame. It's a shame. I do. I don't doubt that when you know when he comes back, he'll be back to his normal self. Liverpool will be all over him and wanting to sort himself out. And the club will do what's right by the player. They always have. And I just think um, it's going to be difficult now, you know, to sell him. I think uh, which club really. Would 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 be able to handle that? I think he he would get absolutely slaughtered in Spain. Yeah. If he did that, absolutely slaughtered. You know, he'd probably he'd get banned for ages. 
Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe clubs will think that he's going to be cheaper now because because of that and, and try and lowball. But the the thing with that is FSG will be like, I'm sorry, <laughs> you know, he's uh, on the pitch. This is how much he's worth in club football. He's worth 80, 90 million, whatever. You're not getting him. So clubs will probably not be willing to spend that much money and risk and have a liability where they 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 probably won't be able to manage him like we have. And um, and then it will cost them games. It's, okay. it's, it's what, I mean, it's, a, it's weird to say and it's not the right thing to say maybe that it turns out to be a positive because we'll be able to keep him. But... The, the 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 story is really that question we should ask is would you keep him when he's behaving like this and what about if he does it again in the league can you stand by him you can't you can't condone that um, those actions you can't condone you can't condone someone biting another player you know I've heard things about oh it's better than putting in a tackle or ending someone's career with a tackle but I'm sorry it's it's violence it's cannibalism man he's going for someone with with his teeth. You know, he's he's actually taken a big bite this time. You can actually see it clearly. Hello. You know, um, there's no way anybody can be defending him. If you're defending him, you know, you can't. Sorry? I, I can't think of a reason why anybody would want to bite another person like that. It's just a bit, it's a bit crazy, really. And I know he is he is crazy on the pitch, like when he's playing his football. There's no reason for all these extra crazy antics. It's just just too much and he's just about clearing his name in the media and that's it he's just resurfaced everything again it's like he almost thrives on what he hears in the media I I don't know Dave what do you think on this it's I don't know it's so strange he's been so well behaved for like the last year and then this comes out of nowhere um like personally I think the only reason Real Madrid didn't buy him last year was because he bit Ivanovic. I think they, if, if he hadn't done that, they would have gone out and bought him at the time. Um, there's a, look, there's people out there, idiots like Guillain Balaga, who likes to pretend he knows what's going on when really he's just a, you know, a bullshitter and a blagger and a, a self-promoter. This is a man who once stood in front of Anfield and said Rafa Benitez wasn't coming to Liverpool. And then the next day, Rafa Benitez was announced as Liverpool manager. Let's not forget that. So, you know, you've got people like Balaga saying that Barcelona are going to make a move from and all the shitty little papers in Spain are saying the same. Barcelona have been very, very clear that they want traditional number nine um, and they're trying to buy Higuain and they're in talks about a Loriente for Sanchez swap. So I don't think Suarez will be on their radar. I think this bite might put Real off again. Um, there's a lot of talk about Falcao perhaps going there. But the one club who may just be a wild card and will be willing to pay whatever we want and will pay him whatever he wants is Paris Saint-Germain. And there's rumours that Slatan wants to go back to Italy. Uh, obviously, Suarez's good buddy Cavani is there. So PSG, if he's to go anywhere, I would say PSG would be the most likely um, I, I think he will end up staying, though. I, I don't think he wants to leave. I don't think he'd turn down the chance to go to Real or Barca or maybe even Bayern Munich if we accepted an offer for him. But I don't think he'll push like he did last year. Um, this seems to be Per Guardiola, who we know is an absolute bell end. Um, 
who's pushing a lot of this crap, he was the one behind it all last season. He was made to look very, very stupid by John Henry um, over the whole Arsenal saga. Um, I've been told by a couple of people, including Graham Kelly and one or two others, that um, when Ian Eyre went to Barcelona a couple of weeks ago and everybody said, oh, he's going to talk about Sanchez and Pedro, he was actually there to meet Per Guardiola. He was in the city of Barcelona rather than at Barcelona Football Club meeting Per Guardiola to discuss Suarez and it appears that Mr. Rare has once again failed us in his uh, in his tasks. Um, I don't think he'll go. I think he'll end up staying. If he does go, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, we'll always be a bigger football club than any one player. We're in a far better situation now than we were a year ago. The only thing for me is I wouldn't trust Brendan Rodgers to spend the money correctly to replace him, um, judging by the mediocre players that we're t- currently targeting, um, like Lalana and Lovren. So I that'd be my concern is that Rogers would spend the money poorly. Um but you know, if he goes, he goes. I, I won't get too upset about it. Don't get upset about players leaving the club, except Mascarano, who broke my heart. And uh but we'll never speak of that again. Um but you know, I, I do think he's gonna stay, but this bike thing is just mental and it's going to be interesting to see what FIFA do because that could be the end of his World Cup yeah agreed Uh, Jay what do you think do you think Suarez will stay or will he go based on everything that's come to light in the past few hours it's clear to see that he's a bit of a loose cannon isn't he he's a a street fighter and I love watching him on the pitch as a footballer but you can't really defend what he's done there I mean initially it looked like it was a headbutt but obviously when you look at the other angles he, he, he has sunk his teeth into a Chiellini's shoulder and you know ultimately you can't you can't really do that type of thing can you and unfortunately it's he's done it before with a, you know obviously he's done it to Ivanovic and he's done it in Holland as well while he was an Ajax player and it, it's just this is the side of it that it's a bit distasteful isn't it and Ultimately, it could scupper the deal now because I'm open-minded about it. The way I look at things is you've got to consider last summer Arsenal, you know, coming with a ridiculous offer for him of forty million and a pound, and we went in the Champions League then, so we didn't have that carrot really. But he was prepared to go to the Arsenal by all accounts, and the way I look at it is okay. We might be in the Champions League now, but. If a Real Madrid or a Barcelona comes calling for you, you know, most footballers, that's the pinnacle of their career. They want to play for these two clubs, they're massive football clubs. And, you know, if he did end up pushing for a move to either club, if he could, he could stump up the cash to afford them, then, you know, I wouldn't begrudge him the move as long as Liverpool got a great deal out of it. Now, it depends what type of deal that you'd be wanting. If we were to, you know, would it be a straight cash deal or would you want players involved? And, you know, ultimately, to an extent, I can see what Dave's saying there about Rodgers spending the money because obviously, yeah, we signed Coutinho and Sturridge, but other than that, there hasn't been too many signings that have really worked. I mean, Rodgers has worked wonders with this Liverpool team, but it hasn't necessarily been down to signings he's made. It's He's just transformed certain players, you know, like your Sterling's, your Henderson's. And, you know, obviously, I said before, they never Coutinho and Sturridge. They, they were good signings, but... The rest of them, I don't think any of them have really been great. You know, Joe Allen, Barini, even 
like Colo Torre, we haven't seen a lot of, you know, Shaco for me, the jury's still out, Mignolet's not great either, the goalkeeper, I don't think either, so, you know, I do think the jury is out on some of Rodgers' signings, and maybe it would be better if we were to sell Suarez, hopefully we don't, but if he was to leave, then I would love Alexis Sanchez, I really, really would, and, and I know for a fact that Liverpool have shown an interest in him, and we have been in dialogue with Barcelona for him, but... The facts are, I do fear that if we are to get someone like Alexis Sanchez, unfortunately, the only way we're going to get someone like that is if Suarez is going. So, from that point of view, realistically, I hope we don't get him because I'd rather Luis Suarez stayed. Now, I know there is a few people out there who are adamant that he's going nowhere and he's happy at Liverpool and he doesn't want to leave and this, that, and the other. But I don't, I honestly don't believe anyone truly knows the truth other than Luis Suarez himself. And we'll, we'll find out more when he comes back from the World Cup. Of course, you can't go anywhere without an offer. And can Real Madrid afford him? Can Barcelona afford him? Probably not really because there's all this talk now of Falcao going to Real Madrid and if he goes there then straight away that rules them out the running for him and then that leaves probably Barcelona I know Dave's just said there about Paris Saint-Germain I hadn't really considered them but I suppose his compatriots there Cavani so maybe he'd want to team up with him who knows and they probably could afford it because they're filthy rich but I do think the two main clubs are Real Madrid and Barcelona and as I say last year if he would have went to Arsenal it would have been an absolute disgrace but I wouldn't begrudge him the move to Barcelona or Real Madrid, but ultimately now with what he's done, it, you would imagine it would put these clubs off. It, it, it's only natural to think that they're going to look at it and say, why would we want someone with, who's got a lack of discipline playing for our football club? And Gags mentioned before about Steve Steve Peters, you know, obviously it's going to be a test in time now because no doubt about it, he's going to get a, a, a ban internationally. Hopefully it won't affect Liverpool because realistically, they can't turn around surely and say, well, it's a whale ban because we pay his wages. So that's totally unfair on Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? So I think he'll get a ban for Uruguay and that'll be it. He, he shouldn't get a ban for Liverpool. But but like I say, we just need to get him back, put our, you know, Steve Peters do his work on him and hopefully sort his head out a little bit. But I, I really don't know where the club are going to go with this because you can't really defend something like that. You know, you'll have people who say, oh, it's great because that means he won't be leaving now and this, that and the other. But it doesn't do our reputation any good, does it? You know, like from the fact that we've stood by him, we've defended him for so long after what happened with Ivanovic and we had the ban here. And now he goes and does this after such a fantastic season. And I just find when sometimes he gets really, really agitated and gets wound up. And uh, I don't know. It's just, he seems like mentally unstable to me. <laughs> he really does. You know, it's the third time he's done it now. And you just can't do that type of thing. And the only thing that, that I can look towards is Steve Peters. Hopefully he can work his magic with him when he returns to Liverpool. You still lose trust though, Jay. You still lose a lot of trust. You think you start to trust someone. You think they've crossed that bridge and they turned a corner, and it's all going to be okay. And then he just he just does it again. The trust just evaporates, doesn't it? That you come back, and it's it's likely he could do it again. You know, what about if Steve Peters leaves? Then what? <laughs> you know, then yeah, they start yeah, attacking, agree, then yeah. start attacking everybody on the pitch. You know, I mean. It's mad. He's got to be able to learn to live no, with. I, I do agree to an extent. You know, because imagine there's going to be dirty, dirty players in, in in opposition sides that are going to try and wind him up even more now this season because he's done it again. Yeah, I, I agree, and it is he is he could become a liability at times. 
to be honest, in all the time he's played for Liverpool, apart from that Ivanovic incident, there's been a couple of occasions where he's gone to ground, he's, he's dived, but he hasn't really been that much of a liability no. in the main, has he? Uh, but there is always that fear, isn't he, with what he's done against Italy, that it could happen again. And let's be perfectly honest, if he'd done that again in a red shirt, what was happening with the FA, he'd, he'd probably, I mean, I don't know where it'd go from there because he's already had his... Well, it'd be a Cantona type ban, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, it'd have to be like a year ban or something. So, th- there's the argument to say, I mean, listen, I don't want Liverpool to sell Luis Suarez because he's a fantastic player. And regardless of my opinion on whether a, like a Real Madrid or a Barcelona come in, I think he could go. That's irrelevant because I don't want us to sell him. But I think that there's a possibility it could well happen. I don't think anyone can rule it out because ultimately, as I said before, the only person that knows if he's staying or going is Luis Suarez. And I honestly don't think Liverpool, the club, would stand in his way. I mean, I think if we get a sensible offer for him, then I can't see FSG standing in his way because it's all on the player at the end of the day. If he turns around and says, look, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and, and as Dave said before, Paris Saint-Germain even, they're not someone really who I'd considered, but I think if Suarez goes to them and says, look, they've offered this type of money for me, I, I do want to go and speak to them, I want to go. I, I honestly don't think Liverpool will stand in his way because last year, let's not forget, he would have left, he'd have gone to Arsenal, so I know we didn't have Champions League last year, but ultimately I think it's it's a totally different kettle of fish, Arsenal and forty million and a pound to Real Madrid or Barcelona and seventy or eighty million. Now I know people do say, don't they, they bang on about he's the best player in the world and on current form he actually probably is because Messi and Ronaldo didn't have the greatest of seasons. Messi certainly didn't. But like, you know, ultimately I think to myself, well, yeah, maybe Gareth Bale was overpriced what they pay for him, eighty five, eighty six million pounds. But I think what you've got to look at with Gareth Bale is he's three years younger than Suarez. Suarez has got this bad boy reputation as well, don't forget. So that is going to have a little bit of an effect. And also, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say Luis Suarez wouldn't cut it in, in the Champions League, but he hasn't played in the Champions League for quite a few years now. And Gareth Bale was living on that hat-trick he scored in the San Siro against Inter Milan. So there's all things come into play, I feel. And I do honestly think that if we get offered in excess of 70 million, say, maybe, maybe borderline towards the Gareth Bale fee, I do honestly think he could potentially go. But Ultimately, at the end of the day, there's no official bid put in yet, so it's all hypothetical. Let's let's be perfectly honest. No, no none of us want us to sell Suarez. Do we? At the end of the day, we want us to stay. So all we're doing is it's just this is just an educated opinion, really. I know there'll be people out there who are adamant that he's staying, and their educated opinion will say, well, logically, it's not going to happen because of the you know the financial fair play with Real Madrid and also the fact that Barcelona purely won't be able to afford it unless they add players. But I just think, wait and see after the World Cup, when he comes back to Liverpool, and let's just see what happens, because ultimately it's just a waiting game, I think, and nobody knows. I mean, I spoke to a couple of people who, who were quite you know, connected to the club and basically they've said the same. Ultimately, nobody really truly knows. It's all right. So I just come out and saying he's happy here and people are going on about, oh, he's, he's got like, he's enrolled his child in, in one of the local schools and all that. Well, he's got to do that anyway, hasn't he? He's going to do that anyway. I mean, the school that he's enrolled the, the, the child to, I think it's like £15,000 a year or something. What's £15,000 a year to someone who's on 200 grand a week? It's like about a hundred quid to me or you. 
Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely nothing. So that's irrelevant. You might say he's happy, but he's bound to say that. And the official club line is he's not for sale. Well, we're bound to say that, aren't we? Because at this moment in time, there's no official approach. So let's wait and see. If a club does come in for him, then we just deal with it accordingly. So I, I'm hopeful that he'll stay, but who knows? So uh, hypothetically speaking, if we were to sell Suarez and have that money come in, who would you like to see it spent on? Who do you think Liverpool should target? It's a difficult one because out of all the options that I've seen, you know, obviously people have said it's because it's, it's 68 million, someone said, and then you've seen like 80 million and you've you've seen deals with Barcelona for Sanchez and Pedro. The best one that I, I thought was, when I think, I'm not sure what paper said it, but as I said, I don't really read the papers. It's just whatever gets retweeted onto my timeline from, you know, on Twitter. Um, I think there was people saying 50 million and Sanchez. Now, I, I think that's a decent deal for the simple reason. I'm not saying Alexis Sanchez is as good as Luis Suarez, far from it, but he, it, to an extent, he's a very good player. So, to an extent, you're replacing Suarez to a degree, aren't you? Obviously, and then you've got 50 million pounds to spend then. Now, I know Dave doesn't particularly like Lalana. I personally think he's a good player and I think he'd suit our system quite well. But it's got to be the right price. It's anything north of twenty twenty million pounds, absolutely ridiculous. Because I don't even think he's worth that. But obviously, it's this sell-on clause, which is a bit of a nightmare. But you know that they've got with Bournemouth, and that's not really our fault. That's Southampton's problem, not ours. So we shouldn't be the ones who have to, you know, suffer the consequences of it. But but like I say, I do think Rodgers really, really wants Lallana. Um, but. I would then also say we've got the money there to go and sign a, a fantastic centre-half. Now, I'm not too fussed on this, uh, Lovren, myself. I, I just don't see the point in us signing him because I think he's a decent centre-half, but he's not on great. And in my opinion, if we did get the type of money for Suarez and we obviously if we got Sanchez, we got obviously the money spare. I would go for my, I would go for Hummels, the, the German lad at Dortmund. I think he's outstanding. He'd be great. But... Um, you know, like I say, it's very rare when you see these deals for the star players where it involves other players as well. I'd be surprised if it happened where we got 50 million in Sanchez, but that's probably the best deal that I've actually seen that's been doing the rounds, the rumours. Um, there was another one as well that included Pedro, but like I've just said there, can you honestly see Pedro and Sanchez coming to Liverpool and money? It's it just far-fetched. Them type of deals just don't tend to happen. Now, I, I did hear a little whisper. There's a lad who, who sometimes gives me a little bit of info. And to be honest, I'm not sure that I quite believe what he says after time, but he's got one or two things right. And he said to me about the, there's the possibility of if Real Madrid was serious about getting Suarez, we were going to look into asking for uh, Varane, you know, centre-half, um, purely because he's the, he's the French centre-half with Sacco. And they've got a decent little pairing going, haven't they? You know, internationally. Um, but surely to God, he's the future centre half of Real Madrid, isn't he? Pepe is probably on his last legs now, isn't he? So surely to God, I don't think they'd enter the table with something like that with Varane. But who knows? As I say, most of the time, it's going to be straight cash. And all I'll say is, we're talking about something that may not happen. And ultimately, at the end of the day. We all hope Luis Suarez stays. Yeah, so um, Dave, coming to you, who would you want to see at Liverpool with the Suarez cash or, as we are, with Suarez building the team? Well, I agree with Jay. Lovren shouldn't even be considered. He's been absolutely dreadful in this World Cup. 
he's been at fault for pretty much every goal bar one that um, Croatia have conceded. He's just a shocking centre-back, really. I disagree with him completely on Lalana. I don't see that he fits our system at all, unless we go and buy two defensive midfielders to babysit him, the way Wanyama and uh, Schneidlin do. Sunderland play, or Southampton play a totally different midfield setup to what we do. <clears throat> and if you put him in front of Gerrard, Gerrard's going to get absolutely murdered because he won't track back. I that that Varane thing is interesting. If we are going to do a deal with Real Madrid, the first words out of our mouths should be that this deal has to include Rafael Varane. That guy is going to be the best centre back in the world in three or four years. He is absolutely incredible. Um, but again, if we can't get him and we just get cash off Barca, Jay spot on again. Mats Hummels would be phenomenal. He's an absolute monster at centre back. Um. In terms of cash only, there's absolutely no way Real Madrid can, without selling at least three players, there's no way they're going to cut with that cash. They have to make an enormous payment on Gareth Bale this summer, somewhere in the region of 45 to 50 million. Um, so they, they don't, they're not going to have the cash unless they sell the likes of Isco, Kadira, uh, maybe Ilaramendi and one or two others. So uh, there's no way they can afford cash only. Um, there's, there's been talk that Di Maria might go to Spurs and he had a very, very funny quote where he said it's very disappointing where when you play so well and then the next day you wake up and you're been linked to Spurs, which will show what Bale has told everybody at Real about the setup at Tottenham. I, I would take Di Maria, no question. He's an outstanding player. Barca have more of a chance of being able to afford cash only because they have sold... Um, Sesk, they're in the Sanchez is going one way or another, whether it's to us in a deal for Suarez or in a cash deal or to Juventus. He, he's on his way out. Um, I agree with Jay, he's not as good as Suarez, but is he as good as Suarez was two or three years ago when he when Suarez was that age? He probably is that good. He's probably as good as Suarez was the year Kenny was manager of Liverpool. So, you know, it's just a matter of how he develops. I don't think he's as intelligent a footballer as Suarez, um, as idiotic as Suarez can be off the ball. He's very intelligent when it comes to the actual football stuff. Um, for me, we need a couple of players. Uh, we Our centre-back should be our number one target, I think. Um, I'd be happy if Andre Wisdom started right back next year. I hope we get Marino. It looks like it's fallen apart, though, despite claims that he was on his way and having medicals and all sorts. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Zaf has kidnapped him or something, but that's gone off the radar completely with the looks of things. Um, if we were to sign Lovren, Lovren plays left-sided centre-back anyway, so if he arrives, he's not partnering Sacco, he's partnering Skirtle. And if we went in the next season with uh, Skirtle and Lovren at centre-back, it would just be an absolute shambles. Um they pair WWF uh, wrestlers at centre back. Like I don't know. There's a, there's a couple of players out there, but I'll just get accused of only having seen them on Football Manager or whatever. So there's no point in naming them. Can I can I make a quick point? I think things have changed a lot for Liverpool's from you know we're going to be dealing with these big clubs. Um, we're a large club, and we're going to be de- dealing with these superpowers. You know, Barcelona and Real Madrid if they come in for Suarez. And in the past, when we've dealt with them, you know, we've been proper done over. With with obviously Manoman did us over really for that one. He went himself, but the Owen deal as well. 
the player had something to do with it, but we got bloody Nunes, you know, what the fuck was that? You know, th- th- that type of stuff going on, that kind of just annoys me, it always puts me on the back foot with um, dealing with these these clubs, And but now, th- we should be on the front foot with this one, and and if those players that you guys have mentioned in terms of Varane and um, Di Maria, the Sanchez's, the Pedro's of this world, that that is the, the, the those excite you. You know, those excite you. So if you got one of those players plus if you got one of those players plus a wad of cash, you know that's what makes it. That's what makes it really, really. You know, it makes it exciting. At least you're losing a player, you're getting a quality player, and then you're getting a whole load of cash to strengthen your squad with. In uh, you know, to add on top of what we've already got in terms of the money, that that would be um, that would be a new era, really. I mean, you could you could actually go back and do that. Barnes beard, beards the Oldridge thing and go and buy um, two or three twenty million pound players each. You know, and really improve the squad and. The, the Mkhitaryans of this world and stuff, you can actually go and get those. Whatever happens, Luis Suarez, uh, and we've, I've said this before, is so vital right now to this club. Whether he stays and he helps us win trophies or whether he goes and brings in a whole you know, a whole load of cash, which is going to be vital as well. Obviously, uh, the, 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 the latter, if we sell him and bring in money... We've got to we've got to spend it well, and you guys have said you're a bit worried about that. So, hopefully, that it's more of the Sturridge and Coutinho's rather than uh, some of the other players or the players we're linked with, like like Lovren, for example. Um, obviously, anybody would take a Hummels, wouldn't they? That that that's it, really. I just hope Liverpool don't end up looking like mugs like we have in the past from it. That's all. All we want is. The club to look good at the end of the day, and if we sell him, I totally agree with Dave, and I said it yesterday on Twitter, there's no player bigger than the club. So, if he does go, we've got over it in the past, guys. We'll get over it again. We'll bring another player, you know, so we'll bring other players in. There'll be there'll be new stars. We'll still have Sturridge, Sterling, Coutinho, and whoever else comes in. You know, there's still a lot to be positive about, about this football club. And the manager's done a great job as well. Let's not forget that. So, there's still a lot, lot of work to be done, and I'm sure there'll be players coming in if, if we do, if we do sell the big man, and um, it's just controversy after controversy, and controversy creates cash. So Luis Suarez, full of cash, mate, full of cash. Right. Well, I've got a little proposal anyway. If if we are to sell Suarez, well, let's do a deal then with Barcelona, and if Sanchez had come, fantastic. Say we got 40, 50 million off Barcelona. Go to Everton and just give them the money for Ross Barkley. And I'm telling you now, if Liverpool turned around to, to Bill Kenwright and said, there's 40 million for Barkley, he wouldn't be able to refuse it. And imagine the chaos it would cause because Martinez, everything's rosy in the garden of Goodison. <laughs> Uncle Bobby's just signed an oh, You're evil, Jay. You're evil. The school of science, it's on its way back and all that palaver. And then we go, bang, we're taking your star. We're taking your young talent who you think is going to be the new Steven Gerrard and there's 40 million up front none of this payments over three or four years bang you can have the money up front because we'll get the money off Barcelona and we'll take your star man and straight away Dave will be happy then as well because we won't be going for Lallana because we'll have got Ross Barkley exactly I'm only joking by the way but wouldn't it be funny if that happened and it's a win-win all round because because you know you know Uncle Bill has only given about 15 million out of that 40 for a replacement so they're not going to get anyone close to, to Barclays' level. And the great man that is John Merrow would have about a 
three month long meltdown on Twitter <laughs> where he accuses <laughs> where he where he accuses Bill Kenwright of being a red and you know, writes strongly worded letters and all sorts. Oh James Owens will be going crazy. He'll be he'll be he'll be having a meltdown over the meltdown and enjoying it. <laughs> oh. Before we go today, I think Gags has got some plugs, so I'll hand over to him. For those who follow me on my um, personal Twitter account, at underscore Gags underscore, little cheap plug there. For those who do follow me on my on my personal Twitter account, you've seen over the last four weeks, I've been just talking to and trying to search for lots and lots of international supporters, international-based Liverpool supporters, and and basically creating little groups of little podcasts. So... What we're doing is branching out from the Anfield Index podcast, and none of us guys are going to be on those. It's going to be purely podcasts created for and by these these international supporters. So from Canada, South Africa, America, we've got Norway, Sweden, India. So we've got we've got around nine or ten countries creating their own podcasts, talking about their experiences, what it's like supporting a Liverpool football club from from where they are and uh, how hardcore they are about supporting the club. They're going to be really interesting podcasts, and um, I just wanted to plug those and make sure you guys know that they're coming up. They'll be appearing on iTunes this week, actually. We're starting with the South African one first. They've got some good guys on there. You probably know a few of them from Twitter, but I'll wait till they, that comes up. And then I think the Australian one's next. I think you'll know some of those guys too. So, yeah, keep an eye out for those pods. They're going to be really cool. We're doing something different, and we're just branching out a little bit to, to uh, over the summer to get some more um, content and, and give these guys a, a bit of a voice. And, and I think it'll be, um, it'll be really interesting for you all. Great. Sounds exciting. It is. Can't, can't wait to get involved and listen. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Dave, Jay, any plugs from you both? Yeah, I just want to plug the Anfield Index website. Um, I'm back in Ireland now, so I'll get back to editing, editing the site. And uh, poor Dan Rhodes can have a bit of a rest after pulling double duty for the last few months. So uh, to all the writers who are listening, um, <laughs> sorry, lads. <laughs> sorry. Um, also, happy birthday to Ryan McTiernan, Ryan McTrippy. On Twitter, I think he just turned twenty-one. Oh, um, he's so a baby. He is. He's only a gossan. Yeah, happy um, birthday, Ryan. But, but a great guy. We've had him on the pod, and he's he's a brilliantly talented writer. So, happy birthday, Ryan. I think I think you're twenty-one. If you're not, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, was there anything from you? Uh, not really. Just um, going on about pretty much about the World Cup now, and ultimately. I think uh, this Brazilian team doesn't impress me at all, and uh, even Argentina haven't been impressive. I don't think either. So it's so wide open that it would be nice if a different country won it this time. So uh, I'm hoping Chile or Colombia can go quite far and maybe maybe win it. That's a good shout, that actually. Yeah, I, I do hope. <laughs> I, I do hope Chile go and win this one. I do. It would be amazing. I'd I'd love someone who's really disgustingly defensive to do a Greece and just bore their way to the World Cup final just oh. to piss everybody off. No, Dave. Yeah. Dave. Why would you want to do that for us? He's the anti-football. Jose Mourinho. Anti-football. He's the anti-football. I want, to cre- I want Mourinho parachuted in to manage somebody over the next couple of days. Him and Otto Rehagel, the former Greece manager, as co-managers of anybody and just anti-football your way to the World Cup. Seven at the back, 
three runners in midfield and an absolute mule up front who can hold the ball up and win free kicks. That's the kind of shit I want to see. I think he's talking about Fred up front, but anyway. Um... Yeah. <laughs> just one from me. I was just going to say a big thanks to John for letting me host this week. And um, anytime, John, I'm happy to do this again. So, yeah, <laughs> that's it from me. Okay, guys, thank you. And um, cheers, Jay. Cheers, Dave. And thanks a lot, Coach, for stepping in for John. And hopefully he's back next week. So, um, and that's what we'll do. We'll see you all next week. And don't forget to check out those international podcasts and let us know what you think. Have a good week. Bye.